0: Hello, and welcome to Faculty Feed. With me, Dr. Jerry Rabelais, Associate Vice President for Health Science Center Faculty Development at the University of Louisville. With me are my co-hosts, Dr. Stacy Sainer, Director of HSC Faculty Development, and Dr. Laura Weingartner, director of research for faculty health professions education. Once a week, we're going to come together to use this podcast to bring faculty development content to feed your hunger and satisfy your appetite so you can magnify your impact as an educator, clinician, researcher, and academic leader.
1: Today on Faculty Feed, we have Dr. Patty Payette. She is the Executive Director of the Quality Enhancement Plan and a Senior Associate Director at the Delphi Center for Teaching and Learning. Patty, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here. Today, we are going to talk about critical thinking. I mean, don't you love thinking about critical thinking? It's very meta. It is meta. <laughs> so before we jump into that, Patty, could you just tell us? About your role here at U and what brought you to U of L?
2: Sure, I have two roles. So the first one that you mentioned, the director of the Quality Enhancement Plan or QEP here at U of that is a multi-year initiative that U of L and every other school that's accredited through SACS are. Southern Association of Colleges and Schools, our accrediting body, asks every single institution to do a data-based improvement project around learning, five-year project. So I was hired back in 2007 to lead the first QEP at UofL, and that was on critical thinking. Yay! Organizing, managing, assessing. Um, As I like to call it getting people to fly in formation and people love change as you know, they love change so um, So managing the whole change process over multiple years is is what I do
1: I spend some time at the Delphi Center So I've gotten to know you and a lot of your colleagues over there So let's jump in and talk about critical thinking. I think the
2: first thing I would love for you to just define that for everyone. What is critical thinking? I'll give you my favorite definition, knowing there are many definitions of critical thinking. So here's my favorite one. Thinking about your thinking while you're thinking in order to improve your thinking, which is Richard Paul, the late Richard Paul, a very well-known critical thinking scholar, philosopher. Critical thinking in tennis is thinking about your tennis while you're playing in order to improve your playing, right? That could click in in a different way. But we can also be constantly monitoring and correcting and improving our thinking in the moment. That is the process of critical thinking. So I like that definition because it focuses on the process. I love that.
1: I was uh, at a conference this past weekend, and my colleague, Dr. Russ Farmer, who was presenting with me for the card that we utilize here on the health science campus. And he described to the audience that critical thinking to him was when he is doing a surgery, and he does cancer surgeries, and so when he's doing surgery, but he's concentrating on what I have to do to get the patient to not have to do chemotherapy. And so he's thinking forward, and he's thinking about ways that he can do whatever
2: he needs to do during that surgery to get to that outcome. I love that because critical thinking, um, when you look at all the different scholarly definitions, one of the common denominators across the different approaches focuses on interpretation, analysis, and this real problem solving Mm -hmm. kind of right i'm making a judgment call right i'm using information i'm analyzing so i love this idea of i have an outcome in mind whether i'm a surgeon a teacher a pilot whatever i have an outcome in mind and so critical thinking is all the mental moves i'm doing in context to work toward that result and so critical thinking can also be described as that collection of mental moves that you're making like mental chess Exactly. I love it. Exactly.
3: So are we taught how to think critically?
2: If we're lucky, yes. But no, most of us are not taught. But the research shows it is actually it is a learned skill. You Mm -hmm. can learn to be a better thinker. A lot of us are taught to be chess player level thinkers in our disciplinary realms. And so part of what the tools of critical thinking can do for you if you're really attuned is how do I take that same sort of next level thinking into all areas of my life? So the more that you can lean into understanding the mental moves, the more you can transfer them into other parts of your life. Wow, so here on the HSC,
1: obviously, we are doing lots of clinical skills and clinical learning is going on here. Um, And we talk to our faculty and learners about clinical reasoning. So what is the relationship
2: between clinical reasoning and critical thinking? Think of reasoning as I have reasons for the conclusions I draw. I have reasons for my opinion. I have reasons why I make this choice. So reasoning is I'm not just going with my guts. I'm not just spouting off the first thing, right? I've can point to the reasons behind my thinking. So if we think of clinical reasoning as the relationship between critical thinking, a lot of those reasoning is those same sentimental same set of mental moves, but we move them into the clinical context. So in every single area of critical thinking, whenever I'm doing it, I'm getting information. So let's just start with that. That's one of the first basic moves. I'm getting information. So what that looks like in a clinical setting is contextual, right? And there's there's ways that clinicians seek, get information, right? Observation, taking histories, their own disciplinary knowledge that they're drawing from. Sort of they can go to A to Z very quickly, gathering information. So what that looks, so clinical reasoning can be a very specific way we gather information in that set.
0: So that that's exactly right, Patty. Uh, in a clinical setting, uh, we have the thing called the history, which is uh, where the patient, or in our case in pediatrics, where the parent gets to describe the illness uh, that that they 're seeking some some advice about. And um, then there's a physical examination that gathers additional information by actually touching and examining the patient. And then finally there are laboratory tests that may have been done already or laboratory tests we're gonna do, that's more information. But then it gets really fun after that because (laughs) all you've done to that point is collect a lot of information. So a seasoned clinician is already, the wheels have already started turning in terms of what's likely and what's not likely. But the real critical thinking doesn't start until you have to provide the evidence for, ground the assumptions that you're making in fact, and ask yourselves, okay, now given all of that, what do I do with this? What does this sound like? What does this look like? What's the next step from a diagnostic standpoint and then from a treatment standpoint? So what you have described is exactly the process that we go through as we try and sort out the clinical puzzles that present in front of us. And so our job is to teach learners on the health science campus how to do that. It it would be inadequate for us to just to say, what's that artery, what's that vein, what does this chest x-ray reading look like? It has to be more than that because, boy, if the past two years have proven anything to us, the information just keeps changing and the ability to interpret and apply that information in new situations and whatever the next pandemic is going to be five years from now. What do we learn from this one? How do we apply to that? We have to teach them how to deal not just with today and with facts, but with how do I reason through it so I can be ready for whatever comes down the line. And so what you've described is exactly what we do day in and day out.
1: So I mean, I love
0: that, but the question
1: comes down to how do we teach learners how to you know, maybe shortcut some of the uh, craziness of years and years and years of trying and failing and trying and failing. Is there a way we can teach this critical
2: thinking skills to our learners? I would say there are critical thinking, skill building can provide you with some strategies that are core strategies that you could lean into, and you may be already doing them. So for example, one of the things as, and, and your instructors and, and MDs and other professionals are, Experts and you're working with novices. Right. So one lens is to think about how do I slow down my thinking? To coach the thinking and reasoning process as an expert so that the novice so I'm entering I'm not throwing them in the deep end. We're waiting in and that's one of the hardest things for You know the curse of knowledge, right? The longer yes. that you've been an, an expert the harder it is to remember what it's like to be a novice so So one of the things you can lean into is slowing down and making your thinking process visible. So modeling the thinking process. That's the most, one of the most important things is I'm not just modeling, I'm not just questioning, right, I'm not starting, I can start with questions as a way to prime Mm -hmm. them mentally, but then I'm walking through those all, like I said, those intricate mental moves, making um, think aloud. So let, let me give an example from working with social work years ago, I think that was really helpful. So the social work faculty, when we started this critical thinking initiative, they said, we really need help with our students that go and do a practicum in social work because we, they go out and they're doing this great work in the field, and we ask them every month to fill out a form to, to, to understand how they're growing and thinking and learning. Well, one of the questions was asking them about their experience. What was a, like a significant moment this month in your practicum? Write about it, right? And discuss what, you know. And so students would just often summarize what, and they weren't really analyzing. And so we said, well, let's talk to you about how to make this a critical thinking prompt. So, we, so they had a question where they, they wanted to get, ask students to talk about how they grappled with an ethical issue mm-hmm. in their practicum. So we helped them change the prompt so that it said something along the lines of, consider an ethical situation you confronted this month. How did you know it was an ethical dilemma? Write the different options you considered how to grapple with that. What did you decide to do? And why? What questions did it prompt? So right there, you can see, right? It's a series of mental moves that professionals would often do very ad- adroitly, right? Like, Oh, okay. Right. Cause you've got all this context and this foundation of experience. So one of the most important ways is, Learning, and that's a learned skill, about making your thinking visible and modeling it for learners. That's the first step of the process.
0: So, Patty, it would seem that that's going to be common, whether you're training social work students, medical students, dental students, nursing students, anyone, that the process, modeling is modeling. Usually modeling something different for them. Maybe it's in a different context. And so that's a skill that a faculty member could use, no matter who their learner is. Is that fair? Yes, yes.
2: A lot of the approach that we took with critical thinking and training critical thinking was that there's going to be core moves that are part of critical thinking that you're going to do, whether you're in the speed school, whether you're in the dental school, the medical school, right, that modeling for students is a teaching and learning core skill. But in critical thinking, it's particularly important because you're trying to teach the vocabulary of thinking and the moves of thinking, right? Because in your field, you guys have a lot of vocabulary. And all that vocabulary, though, helps them think about processes and the way the body works, right? And so it's how can we also be teaching these as concepts while we're doing the mental moves. But it is, these, that's a core move, yes.
3: So how do you tell if, you know, you might be using these skills with your learners, how do you tell if they are thinking critically or not?
2: I'm so glad you asked that, Laura, because <laughs> that alludes to one of the other core moves, which is you give them a novel situation mm-hmm. to show their thinking through. You give them, right, if you walk through a patient or clinical case study with them and you're modeling it and you're talking about it and you're, right, and then the exam comes or you wanna know if they're, and you give them the same case study, right, they're gonna they're gonna follow, you, you don't want them to follow those moves for that. So you give them a novel scenario and you give them a series of questions or a series of mental moves and you ask them, it's sort of like riding a bike. It's helpful to give them the set of questions and help them practice and then make those questions and those scenarios more and more complex over time. Of course, you got to give them feedback, right, so you give them a novel scenario, you ask them to make their thinking visible in writing, verbally, whatever. But you can't see their thinking, they have to make it visible to you. Give them feedback and then you continue to build. So so that's another core piece.
0: So it might be as simple, Laura, as asking a what if question. So. In pediatrics, for us, the dramatic difference between six-day-olds and six-month-olds and six-year-olds and 16-year-olds in terms of almost every aspect of what they're at risk for and how their body handles it and which drugs to use and on and on. And, And so I could, in a clinical scenario, simply change the age and say, okay, take this same presentation and he's not six days old, he's 16 years old. What do you think differently about this? Are there other pathogens, different process, different drugs? How do you begin begin to sort through this information? I'm just going to change the age. And, and so I think it can be fairly simplistic for faculty to do things like that, but they have to be thinking about the fact that they're doing it on purpose. They're doing it deliberately yes. for a reason to push the learner into broadening this experience for example we had a baby this week a six day old with an unusual eye infection I could readily take that story and just change the age and change minor pieces of information about the story and then watch them think through it again and see how the gears work but I do it on purpose so that I know that if something different showed up tomorrow, they're not stuck in six day evaluation mode. They can do 16 month evaluation mode. And oh, that? Okay. And then watching that light bulb go off in them. But we, we have to take that on. We have yes. to deliberately do that. That means we have to be thinking about our thinking and that, fr- that front end definition you gave us all the thinking. Yeah, thinking in about it.
2: your thinking while you're thinking in order to improve it. Right.
0: And answer the phone. <laughs> and talk to the mom. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's in this chaotic environment, this happens, but if you're mindful about the need for that, then it can be built in fairly readily. That's what we have found, yes. and try to facilitate that for faculty on the health science campus. Jerry, that's a great
2: example, and, and, I, and I'm glad you said about the deliberative and intentional, because you're mm-hmm. gonna be thinking, no matter what, why not make it intentional? right why not make it deliberate and one move that people can make when they're in a scenario with so much going on is they can say to the parent or another clinician here's how I'm thinking about it or here's how I'm thinking it through that's another synonym for critical thinking is thinking things here's how I'm thinking it through so that does a couple things one it it slows down it puts you in an opportunity to kind of talk through the mental moves as you're going which sometimes then you go well as I say that I think this or right and allows someone else then to enter their perspective in it um, it also allows as someone who's been who is a patient of doctors, sometimes I will just simply ask, tell me, tell me more here, or what, what, what are you doing next? Or right? Why are you thinking that? And I, and I really try to do it in a very information seeking way and not in a right, like I'm not questioning you. I'm wanting to know. And I sometimes I get the impression that professionals don't get those kinds of questions. So you talked about, modeling. You've talked about the
1: types of questions and making your thinking visible. Um, What else can we do? As faculty or people that work with our learners, what else can we do to help them move to be better at this clinical reasoning process,
3: well, especially because b- before we started recording, we talked about too. It can feel uncomfortable oh, for yes. learners to go through this process, especially if they haven't been practicing it deliberately. So, how can we get them past that? Yes.
2: So, good question. So, I'll answer both of your questions. So, so one of the moves that you can do is you can manage expectations upfront mm. with the learners. I'm going to ask you to think about things in a new way. Yep. It's going to be uncomfortable. That's part of the learning process. You're used to mastery. And right. you're used to being very, you're very good at what you do, which is why you're here. right? And so I'm going to ask you to stretch your thinking in new ways. And so part of what that involves is you being either uncomfortable in the moment or there's going to be some times where it feels a little bit unclear before it starts to come together. So what I need you to do is be able to trust the process and manage your own uncomfortableness in the learning curve, right? And so talking about that upfront and having a meta conversation about the process as you're teaching it. Okay, so we just went through a lot of information. Let's pause here. Let's see, what was unclear? Notice I didn't say was anything un- unclear, no. assume. And start with what was unclear? Let the learner know, right? What felt messy to you? What did I say that stay that so you're you're actually coaching the learning process as you're engaging them in it?
0: This is a whole lot different than asking them what's the name of that artery. Right. right. And they have to almost be warned because they may be used to
2: they
1: are what's used the name to.
0: of that artery. <laughs> Not why is this person taking me down this road? of this cognitive science and critical thinking, why is that important? Setting it up the way you just did, where you prep them with, this is how we're gonna do it today, provides them safety, because none of them wanna look bad. Right. They don't wanna look like anything but stars, whether student or resident or fellow, and so explaining that it's okay to get something wrong, it's okay for something to not be clear, it's okay to ask about that. Don't stand there and play like you got it all when you don't have it all. And when we question that way, we get so much of a richer sense of what they really do know because you're, you're, it's like you're looking into their brain and seeing how the gears work and how they where where it gets off because you can see them to a certain point and then it goes, oh, oh, that's where you. Stop thinking about this. Let's pick it up from there and go from there. So sometimes what I have to do is find out where they are. And I'll ask enough questions and wait long enough, right? Because it's important to wait. I'll ask enough questions how to get a sense of what they know and don't know. And then we start from wherever I think they are. The, I drive the bus to that spot and pick them up. And then we go. Otherwise, I'm driving around by myself. And they're way back there. And they're not saying anything because they don't want to look bad. They don't want to look They're just bad. hoping I'll stop
3: at
2: some right, point. <laughs> right, right. It, that's such a wonderful metaphor. It's a wonderful way to describe it. And, and we describe what you call as a bottlenecks, right, in learning, teaching learning bottlenecks. So it can also be helpful to say, now, there's typically some bottlenecks that you might experience in learning here that's some other, right, students or fellows have really struggled with this or this, right, so you also normalize, yeah. right, that it's not a smooth, right, that this is, and I'm a teaching and learning expert, and I still find myself in my life, when I have to learn something new, or I have to be uncomfortable, I, I push against it, I don't want, nobody wants that, no, it's but it's necessary, and so so I love, Jerry, your, your um, all the and, and, and also the more metaphors that you can use, the more that you can help people visualize. The more that you can, sort of, because a lot they can't keep all of this in their head.
0: Patty, do you tell faculty to share with their learners the fact that their learning process and where they are now was not that smooth ramp up to stardom that they're seeing at this point, and that there were hiccups along the way and fell off the road at some point. <laughs> Do you tell them to tell their stories of failure, of learning failure?
2: Yeah, we encourage faculty to t- display some authenticity and vulnerability in their own journeys so that students can see. I, I didn't become an expert without my own hitting a wall or roadblocks and so absolutely, we, we, we want them to see professionals as learn who have their own learning jir- journeys, and and just to be careful that not everybody's going to have that same experience, but but yes, disclosing and creating that environment, especially in high performing in environments, This <laughs> so is one of those, right there isn't all that imposter syndrome, but right you know, and and also acknowledging some of the thinking is going to maybe be easier for you, and some maybe some of you are going to latch onto this, some of you might latch onto that. And, you know, and making that okay, too. It's okay to learn at different rates. Yeah, yes. right, and some things are good. So, so talking about that learning process and being kind of a little bit of a sherpa for them is really ah, I important. I love that idea. One of our PDs here, our program directors, she talks a lot
1: about, um, you know, faculty providing the failure CV. Like what are all the things that you failed at before you got to this point? Like I passed out during my surgery clerkship or, you know, anything where they had difficulty and here, this is where I messed up guys. We're not all going to get there going the same path. So it's okay. Yeah. The fail forward concept.
3: I could certainly see connecting that back to clinical reasoning of like, here is where I had a patient like this when I was a resident and here's how I went off course. And then talking through, you know, maybe what process should have been done.
2: And I bet if you fast forward five or 10 years, those learners would remember that mm-hmm. scenario because again, it is so novel and different for them to hear a professional talking about that, 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 that's another sort of principle is the more that you can Um, reach them and create scenarios that are outside of their typical learning Mm -hmm. that it sticks with them right you know bringing bringing in visuals to explain a concept five or ten years or 20 years they're gonna remember that visual when you taught homeostasis or whatever concept so that's a really great Point as well we we call that elaboration so getting you know to elaborate on that
1: concept where they can provide a metaphor an analogy a visual or you know just have something that the learner can attach to right so what experience you know is similar ask the learner what what what's similar to this but outside of medicine or outside of nursing like a roller coaster or is it like a, a locking key can they kind of come up with an idea that makes sense that's Outside of this particular biology or, or process going on.
0: For most clinicians, the world that we are called to teach in is not the ordered, stable classroom environment. We're teaching people in the context of providing care, in the context of responding to calls from the operator, calls from the emergency department, parents' questions, and we have learners with us during all of that. And so, that environment can be very hectic on any given day as distraction after distraction sort of piles up uh, around you. And so, one of the things that we need to talk about is how does the busy clinician in that environment take the time, because this takes time, rather than going patient to patient, okay, do this, do this, do this, next patient, do this, do this, do this, change this, stop that, operate on this one. Rather than that, what we're talking about today really takes a great deal of time to be mindful of it. That would worry me that they'd say, Jerry, great idea. Patty, thank you, but I don't have time for this. I I just can't make that happen and see all these patients. What can we speak to when that concern is raised?
2: So critical thinking would say your filter or your touchstone in a very busy decision, make quick decisions, so much coming at you, short timeline is to go back to this question, what's my purpose? I'm going, I'm opening the door, just what's my purpose? Oh, I'm here to connect with this patient, to find out more information. So it can be a mental, what's my purpose? I'm going into a meeting with colleagues. What's our purpose? Everybody needs to be heard about their perspective, about the patient purpose, no matter what else happens. Because what happens is when we're interacting, they, everyone else has purposes. And their purposes can, can lead us. So if we're clear about, okay, what's my purpose? Stacy's coming at me with the lab result. What's my purpose here? Our purpose, look at this. Because sometimes we also have, other larger purposes, but in this moment, my purpose is to get this information and ask questions to help me, right? And because sometimes we get purpose drift. So being really clear, what's my purpose in this moment?
0: So what you're describing is mindfulness, being aware in the moment of what are you to accomplish and not letting the distractions of a minute ago or 10 minutes ago or the distraction that's gonna come in five minutes keep you from that purpose. When you walk in that room, uh, we've described this before as sacred space. You're walking into that room, that mom's been waiting to talk to you for three hours to tell you the story about her baby. You owe her your undivided attention, no matter what else is going on. That's your purpose, right in that moment. Sometimes it gets interrupted and you have to excuse me, ma'am, I'll be right back and do your best to unhook and get back in right where you left off. (laughs) Um, and so there's no way around that, though, Patty. That's the reality of, of what happens in a given day. And so I, I just want our faculty to be aware that if you don't be deliberate about mindfulness, you can walk through the day in not a fog, but drifting in this purpose with multiple purposes around you and never really focusing on, what am I here for in this moment right now? That, That's so hard to do but so necessary if we're gonna think critically, if we're gonna teach others around us to think critically, right?
2: Absolutely. Patients been waiting, they need to be seen, but there's all these issues about, are we gonna stay, are we gonna see, are we gonna reschedule? That's the moment you say, okay, what's our purpose here? right what's what's the higher purpose so you're letting the conversation decision making be guided through the filter and then i say as a leader leading a team i'll say okay all right well let's be clear our purpose right now in the conversation or our purposes are and every filters everybody then
0: and the learner sees that yes and they then can model that later when they're in the faculty position and say oh when it got crazy i remember my attending did pause for a second and say, what's our real purpose here? And that short question refocused us. And for the next 20 seconds, we delivered on that purpose. Then we moved on.
2: Right. Purpose drives the process. That's another thing we say in critical thinking. So I, I'm i sure that's a mantra my team get. you know, purpose drives it. Let's be clear about our purpose because that's going to drive our process. Patty, I wanted to ask real quick, you had talked about this book, Thinking Things
1: Through a Guide to Critical Thinking Across the Curriculum. And this one particular quote, I really liked. And it says, there is no grasping content without thinking it through. And so, I really love how that kind of just displays what critical thinking is. And so, I was just wanted to put that quote out there for everyone, in um, hopes that uh, you know they may enjoy it as well.
0: So, Stacy, let me ask you something about that. Yeah. What, what do you think they mean when they say grasping content? Yeah. What does it mean as an educator? As an you're educator. The educator. So, what does that mean to you? What, what is this person saying here?
1: So getting it, being able to use it, being able to analyze it, be able to uh, think it through.
0: So it's understanding not knowing.
1: Correct, how to understand something. It's not just being actively being able to recall what's that artery, what's that vein, it's being able to utilize that information
2: for something else. Patty, would you agree? Yeah, it's like an internal grasping, I've internalized it if I tell you the name of the artery and you write it down, that doesn't mean you grasp it. But if I, we talk about the artery and the purposes and some of the concepts around it. And then I ask you to say that in your own words, that is the shortcut. Like, did they grasp it? Can Laura just say this in her own words? If she can say it in her own words, then I know she has on her way to grasping it. Me saying it, does not mean that she grasps it. And this is Dr. Gerald Nosich's work. Give, I just gotta give him a shout out.
0: Practical things that, that faculty can do, um, let them know that you're gonna be asking them questions and seeking some critical thinking from them so you're not surprised by it, right? Yes. Model that behavior, we've talked about that. Um, maybe if he gets really crazy at the end of the session, After the operating room, after you've rounded on all the new patients, you pull them aside and say, okay, remember when I was in room 505 and the mom said, and then I said, why do you think I said it that way? So you sort of make them reflect back on it so maybe they then grasp that content that way, when in the moment I didn't have time. Or it wasn't appropriate maybe to do it in that room right. is that a valid way to sort of lock this thing in for the learner
2: yes jerry that's a great that's a great move that you can make if you have the time it's even better to have the conversation before you go into the room okay what 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 am i what's my purpose or what's our purpose what what are questions you think right and or I had a leader who once did this for me before a meeting, or you could say going into a, a room to talk to a patient. She's saying, OK, here's the context I'm thinking about. i thinking about this, I'm thinking about this, right? So I was like, wow. And then I'd go in and I'd watch her invisibly, you know, have all that contact and ask questions and draw it out and correct her thinking, get more information. And then after, we would debrief. What did you, why do you think I asked that? Or what did you notice about that interaction? Absolutely.
0: We had, we had one similar to that this week where uh, a boy had repeated ear infections and it wasn't clear to the learner if they were on both sides or only on one side. So I asked them why, and this was long before we go in the room, why do you think that's important? And, and they really weren't sure as to why they thought one side or both sides made a difference. We've talked about immune problems, immune defects that set you up for ear infections, and we've talked about anatomical problems. If it's an immune problem, what would you predict, because we do a lot of prediction with these guys, what would you predict would be the presentation of an immune problem that sets up for infections? Would it be only one side or both sides? Well probably both sides because the immune system is impacting both sides and anatomy would only maybe affect only one side. So if it's always on the left side, maybe there's something wrong with how that ear drains or how the anatomy is set up. But if it's both sides, maybe it's an immune defect. So I said, when we go in the room, I want you to chase that line of questioning with the mom. And she did, and the look on her face was stunning. It was like, the lady said, well, it's always on the left side. And she immediately knew. Well, then it must be an anatomy problem, right? (laughs) It was so fun to see. And it's an example where if we prompt the learner with what might happen or hand them some keys to the questioning strategy. Right. That then they do, and I'm watching, I'm not asking the question. I said, you're gonna go ask the questions. I'll be there. And she did it. And the look on her face was like, I don't think she'll ever forget okay. anatomy versus immunology <laughs> and bilateral ear infections. So, <laughs> what, she's got what, it I, now. what
2: I love about that jury too is you modeled when you the way you said that is you said, well, if it's one year, maybe it's this. Like, you didn't say it is. You, we're interrogating assumptions. Predicting right. is an assumption. What are, we gonna, what are the assumptions? Let's interrogate those, right? We're not going to assume that that's fact. We're going uh, to recognize our assumptions and then interrogate them and see where that goes. And so I love that you frame that as questions to pursue, assumptions to check.
0: And it makes so. it fun.
2: Oh, it's great! For me. Sounds very, very rewarding. Well, Patty, thank you so much for joining us on Faculty
1: Feed. This has been a great conversation, and I think we have uh, lots of opportunities to have you back. So appreciate well, it. Thank you. I loved it.
0: If you want to up your game as a professional educator or to enhance your leadership skills in the academic setting, this is the place to be. As together we strive to make U of L a great place to learn, a great place to work and a great place to invest.
1: Don't forget to check out the show notes for links and additional information from today's session, as well as our email address. Feel free to contact us at facfeed at louisville.edu. That's F-A-C-F-E-E-D at louisville.edu.
0: Join us next time for more and come hungry.